Hello, Rebecca Langley here for this week's edition of Stick Together, focusing on union news and social justice issues. I want to acknowledge that this program was recorded on the stolen lands of the Kulin Nation and that their sovereignty has never been ceded. Stick Together is produced in the studios of 3CR Radio in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network and brought to you on your local community radio station thanks to the Community Broadcasting Foundation. On Monday, I caught up with Chris Spindler, an organiser with the AMWU, to follow up about the ongoing issues surrounding workers at the Ulstom Rail Workshop in Ballarat. Also this week, more stories have emerged about women being sexually harassed and abused in the hospitality industry. I talked to Pia from Feminism in the Pub about union women standing up for a safe workplace for all. But first, some union news. The ETU announced fantastic news out of Spotswood this week. After a hard-fought, seven-month-long dispute, ETU and AMWU members have voted to agree in principle to a new EBA. A huge thank you to crew down at OI Glass, with a special shout-out to the amazing shop stewards. ETU also wanted to extend a massive thanks to everyone who supported the campaign, whether you donated to the Fighting Fund, came along to a rally, or helped spread the word, it couldn't have been one without you. This week, the Financial Review reported that more than a 1,000 Woolworths employees in New South Wales have won a pay rise of 16% over three years, more than double the average rate of wage growth. The supermarket giant has agreed to front-load an 8% pay rise for warehouse workers at its Minchinbury distribution centre, followed by annual increases of 4% until 2021, as part of a new enterprise agreement backed by workers on Saturday. United Workers Union Secretary Tim Kennedy said the pay rises contrast to stagnant wage growth. The in-principle deal followed mass strikes last week and is the first win under the banner of the newly formed United Workers Union. The pay rise stands in stark contrast to the latest wage growth data in the private sector, which shows average increases have dropped to 2.2% a year and pay rises in enterprise agreements have fallen to 2.8%. Woolworth's sizeable first-year increase is understood to be a response to low pay rises in the centre's last agreement, which saw wages increase by 7.5% over three years. UWU National Secretary Tim Kennedy said the New Deal represented a significant and life-changing wage increase and was the first of many to come under the new union. Wage increases are never gifted, they are won, he said. While wages are stagnating generally, this outcome at Woolworths highlights what is possible when workers come together in their union and bargain for a better deal. The UWU and Transport Workers Union had sought a total increase of 28% during negotiations in a bid to bring workers' pay closer to their Victorian counterparts. UWU lead organiser Alicia Economides said hundreds of workers walked off the job for 24 hours last week and were prepared to take indefinite strike action for a fair wage increase, decent redundancy conditions and respect and recognition for casual workers. We could successfully negotiate a fair wage increase because we were prepared to strike. The wage rises follow increases of up to 22.5% for 800 chemist warehouse distribution centre workers in March this year. In the last week, 180 offshore oil and gas workers at Engineering Group Monodelphus 
which supplies Woodside, Shell, BHP and Impex, also voted up a deal that grants immediate pay rises of up to 20%. The Union Offshore Alliance, a partnership between the Australian Workers' Union and the Maritime Union of Australia, touted the agreement as one of the single biggest wins of the century. As an apprentice myself, I can understand why people are frustrated about the situation of apprenticeships in Australia. And this week, some people have been asking some questions. Blue-collar trades offer lucrative and fulfilling careers for millions of Australians, but the educational pathway to get there has become increasingly bumpy. A recent report revealed the federal government has underspent its budget for TAFE training and apprenticeships by almost $1 billion in the past five years. That's on top of previous cuts. At the same time, Australia is experiencing a skills shortage and critics are warning of serious repercussions for the country. The number of Australians doing an apprenticeship or traineeship is lower today than it was a decade ago. These days, more trainees drop out of their study than finish it. You're listening to Stick Together, workers' stories and union news. Broadcast around the country every week on the Community Radio Network. Thanks so much for chatting with me again. It sounds like you're on the road. So where have you been off to today? Uh, when I was in Ballarat at uh, SEM. We've got a difficult um, EBA process going on there. They make, SEM make fire trucks and ambulances. So. Yeah, very essential yeah, but uh, they're in their group. Their group, their company, they're the lowest paid out of their all their sites in the country, and we're really struggling to get any half decent pay increase uh, going there. But anyway, mm. the guys have accepted today to um, put in for a protected action, which would be the first time in many many years. So, so that's good. They'll uh, they're actually prepared to have a little bit of a fight. So we'll see how we go. Great. Yeah, uh, let us know if we can support them in any way by yeah, getting people down there or giving a shout-out on the radio. All right, thanks, yeah. So how are things going with Alstom? Well, it's been frustrating and difficult because nothing has come out of the negotiations yet and um, I don't just blame the state government. I think I blame the company as well. I think this is a two-way negotiation and the problem is we've got 70 workers who are dependent on the outcome of these discussions and the company and the, and the government <coughs> seem intent on ignoring that very simple fact that they need to deal with this quickly and uh, in a positive way. So it's passed already the deadline. I remember when we were talking last time, you were talking about September being the deadline for when the company would start to close things down if they didn't have a response from the government. So what's happened since then? Yeah. Well, the, com- the company does have a current contract which will be finished around May of next year. So people do have work currently. The problem is if the next contract gets decided late, like this one is, then there's going to be a gap between preparing for the new set of trains and building the current set. So there'll be a number of months where there's nothing to do. 
and that's the problem because then if you have a situation where you have to lay off half your workforce or most of your workforce, how do you retain the skills to build the next set of trains? Yeah. So that's the issue that's being faced right now. And I know the company has said, well, we will... This week I spoke uh, with Chris Spindler from the AMWU to get an update on the uncertain future of the workers at the Austin Rail Workshop in Ballarat. The action he talks about occurred on Tuesday, but there will be more. So stay tuned via the Ballarat Trades Hall Facebook page. Yeah. Let's hear from Chris. But what would that look like? Like, have they given a guarantee of what that support would look like? Well, they'll keep them employed. Yeah. So they'll pay them. And this has happened previously where the company has supported a permanent workforce to, you know, paint the fences, do some community work, do a, a bit of training, do all of those sorts of things while the preparation is happening for suppliers to provide the parts needed to start the build on the, uh, the next set of trains. Yeah. And is there any uh, thoughts about doing some action from the workers? We actually have a, an action, a demonstration, out the front of Juliana Addison's office. So Juliana is the local member of parliament in Ballarat, uh, where Alston is based. And um, the workers at lunchtime and some extra time are basically coming down to protest out the front of her office and basically demanding that the government really prosecute this contract as soon as possible because, one, it means extra jobs at the site, two, it means a refurbishment of that site, three, it means at least two dozen uh, apprentices over the course of the contract, and four, it means the 70 people that are currently employed actually have secure employment. Yeah. So we're, we're very intent now, and I'm hoping that it continues every week or every fortnight that we'll continue to demonstrate now and the workers will take time off work um, to basically say we want to protect our jobs. Yeah, and I remember also last time you were talking about the families, like how this would affect them as well. Yeah, the uncertainty around it, and it must be impacting on people's mental health as well. Yeah, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And it's um, it's a really sad state of affairs that, uh, that the state government and then the company can play this game between this contract in terms of the putting of stress on this workforce and their family. Terrible situation to not know whether you've got a job past, past May. I know that it affects, there's a lot of workers that it affects um, at different times immediately, but... We'll do everything we can to try to make sure that they have a, an ongoing job in regional Victoria. They've set up their lives, their schools, their friends. That, that needs to be respected. And what can people do that are outside of Ballarat to support the workers? Well, I think any, any messages to Daniel Andrews and Tim Pallas to say that they need to act on this. Uh, Daniel Andrews did say that the Ballarat Railway Workshop would not close on his watch. Well, this is still his watch and he needs to, he can act now to make sure that there's ongoing work there for, for the next number of years. And uh, any messages of solidarity are warmly welcomed when we hold our demonstrations and actions and we'll read them out. But really, any pressure on the state government to now prosecute this 
contract. That's what we need. Yep, awesome. Is there any other news coming out of regional Victoria that you'd like to share? Um, people are still um, fighting hard for their agreements. There was recently a very good maintenance and production agreement done at, at McCain, so I think workers there are very happy. We've currently got a hard fight against Bali, who uh, run a workshop called SEM in Ballarat. They make ambulances and fire trucks, and um, they are the lowest paid workers in that Bali group. We're trying to get a decent pay increase for them, and we're really struggling with current management. So um, that may turn to industrial action in the near, near future. And so we'll keep in touch and let people know if they can, uh, they can support that action. That'd be much appreciated. Awesome. Ballarat Trades Hall and um, Brett in particular are fantastic in the solidarity work that they do. Um, we'll be having a barbecue down there. It couldn't happen without, without them. And they bring uh, the media, other workers, and they inform the broader community uh, about what's going on particularly around the Austin dispute, but in general, it's a great place and should be um, should be supported every time. I know they have a lot of functions over weekends and any support you can give to Ballarat Trades Hall would be, would be really worthwhile. Cool. Thanks so much for chatting to us on the road there. I'm sure we'll hear from you again soon, Chris. Yeah, thanks a lot, Rebecca, for having us on. We just heard from AMWU organiser Chris Spindler about the struggle for workers in Ballarat to keep their jobs at the Alston Rail Workshop. This week, the Feed released a report about the experience of gender-based violence in the hospitality industry. They also talked about the union movement's new Respect the Rule campaign, referencing a 2017 survey which found that 9 out of 10 hospitality workers experienced sexual, sexual harassment and that they were predominantly women. The data from Hospo Voice also reported that nearly 20% had experienced some form of sexual assault. The number of women who have been sexually harassed while working in hospitality is absolutely appalling, the spokesperson for Hospo Voice said. Our survey results indicate that sexual harassment is endemic. One woman described the many months that she was stalked by a colleague despite her manager knowing that he was a threat to her safety. She was still made to work with him. Her worst fears came to a head when one night, during a shift, he locked her inside the cool room with him and refused to let her leave. Shockingly, he was allowed to continue working at this well-known bar for another one, one and a half years and only later transferred another to another bar down the road. One worker named Sylvia says instances of assault and harassment are so normalised that they barely register in the industry. Hospitality is a high-stress environment where drugs and alcohol are readily available and encouraged, sometimes both on and off shift. Sylvia told The Feed, offenders are often described in the following ways. He's just a bit crazy when he's drunk. He's such a nice guy, but after a couple of drinks, anything can happen. He's not that bad, he just doesn't like to play by the rules. I just assumed that every industry is like this, says another bartender, Paige Orbert, that everyone is getting sexually harassed and abused everywhere and that we continue to have men in positions of power that look the other way and we continue to have perpetrators that continue to be hired by friends. Paige has been working in the industry for 10 years. 
She says that in a male-dominated space like hospitality, many women feel uncomfortable speaking up about their experiences because they're often reporting it to a man. Hospo Voice says that many women fear that if they speak about the issue, they're at risk of being sacked or getting a reputation as a troublemaker. Only 36% of respondents to our survey felt that their employers took workplace sexual harassment seriously. Unions have upped the push for accountability, rolling out a nationwide Respect the Rule campaign. Respect the Rule asked hospitality employers to pledge three things. To pay workers at an award rate, display details of union delegates, and a zero-tolerance stance on sexual harassment. The program was launched in Canberra this week with workers from a number of venues along the city's Lonsdale. The program was launched in Canberra last week with workers from a number of venues along the Lonsdale, city's Lonsdale Street sharing their stories of underpayment and harassment. Hospo Voice says 60 venues have so far signed the pledge. It's hoping the program will inspire a change in the culture of the industry. Hospitality is a high social industry. Hospitality is a highly social industry, but that's not an excuse for managers and owners to not take their role seriously. For women looking to share their story anonymously, Hospo Voice recommends they contact fairplate.org.au. We want women to be able to speak out without fear of losing their job or being treated differently. Sylvia agrees that there needs to be a big shift in the culture of the hospitality industry where perpetrators need to be held to account. This news and the Respect the Rule campaign come in the lead-up to the 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence, which is an annual international campaign that kicks off on the 25th of November, the International Day for the Elimination of Violence Against Women, and runs until 10th of December, which is Human Rights Day. It is used as an organising strategy by individuals and organisations around the world to call for the prevention and elimination of violence against women and girls. As part of the 16 Days of Activism Against Gender-Based Violence, fem- feminism in the pub is celebrating women and gender non-conforming people fighting for us all to be physically and mentally safe at work. I spoke with Pia from Feminism in the Pub to find out more. So um, Feminism in the Pub is a, an event that we developed and started to hold more or less every few months a few years ago. Um, and we always have different topics depending on, you know, what sort of um, the main issues of the day. And we get usually feminist unionists to come and talk about whatever topic it is that they want to talk about um, and that's facilitated and so on. So um, this one that's coming up will be uh, really talking about around the 16 days of activism against violence against women, which is a worldwide... Yeah, uh, I think it's a UN-based initiative, yeah. Yeah, and so we will have people speaking at that event who will be talking around um, eradicating gendered violence and how that has to be dealt with in working environments. Yeah, and I think this is also really timely. There's been some media coverage lately of... Yeah, women speaking out, especially in the hospitality industry, about um, sexual harassment and abuse in the workplace. Yep. So, Yes, I, I mean, it's very visible in the hospitality industry, but actually I can probably 
not think of an industry where it doesn't happen in some form or another. So it is rife in the workforce and um, it manifests in slightly different ways in different workplaces, but it's generally occurring across the workforce in Australia. And our goal is to keep having that conversation made public and to keep working through the union movement to eradicate gendered violence, but on the occasions that it occurs, also address it effectively to try and prevent it happening again. Yeah. And can you tell us a bit about who who's coming to speak this time at Feminism in the Pub? Yep, I can tell you that we've got um, a range of speakers. So um, we have uh, Catherine, Catherine Breakwell from the RTBU, and she's involved in negotiating a new enterprise agreement with um, with the uh, transport organisations. In particular, they're wanting to organise around gendered violence because that happens at high levels as well in that industry against women. So um, whether it's from the public or from their colleagues, it happens. Dylan O'Hara is a non-binary trans sex worker from Vixen Collective who will be speaking about their experiences of gendered violence in the workplace. Vasalia Govinda, from health, who's a health and safety representative with TAXU, which is the union that covers um, workers in like uh, disability care and those sort of environments. Um, and then the panel will be uh, co-facilitated. So we often do a co-facilitation model. Um, so we've got Renata Mussolino, who's from the OHS team at Trades Hall and is extremely experienced at um, addressing OHS issues and can apply that um, framework to gendered violence and the way that needs to be dealt with. Um, and also Mia Adsit, who's a CPSU member and one of the activists who helps organise feminism in the pub. So the crew that helps put together the event is a group of um, union activists, women union activists who come together to um, try to work out what to do each event, like each time we run feminism in the pub. Yeah. Awesome. And is there opportunity for people to have conversation as well? Like, uh... Yeah, absolutely. Yep. So yep. we normally have, um, it's an, we normally get a really good number who attend, so it's pretty popular as an event. Um, and then we do have time for questions, but we also do encourage people to hang around and catch up with each other or talk to panellists. Um, they can also do that during breaks if they just want to talk one-on-one, but Definitely, we also have um, an opportunity to put questions to the panel and have those answered in that public forum. Yep. Cool. And, uh, yeah, I noticed also that in the info that there was a focus on mental health as well and, yeah, creating a safe workplace, obviously, yep. to, to avoid those that harassment and abuse from happening, but also, yeah, to, to think about the impact on mental health. Oh, absolutely. We consider that one of the um, that's one of the significant injuries that occurs as a result of gendered violence in the workplace. So there's obviously physical injuries that occur, which can be caused by um, physical assault, sexual assault, rape, sexual harassment, um, being stalked, etc. So you can have physical injuries arising from that, but there's also psychosocial injuries, which um, affect severely, manifest as a mental health injury often um, and that is something that we're really wanting to have understood and addressed effectively because that's a kind of insidious harm and injury that doesn't necessarily get dealt with effectively 
in the workplace, but even in our society at large. So we want that. Um, we want to raise more awareness around the, what the injury looks like and to then also talk about and demonstrate the ways that that injury can be prevented in workplaces. Yeah, awesome. And will there be some support if people want to yep. to talk? Yeah. yeah, so we always have people available. We, the team comes and helps put the event together and supports the um, Feminism in the Pub crew and our organiser, Audrey, who's the key organiser for that particular event. So we um, always have ourselves available for support, but we also have um, referral sheets there of different numbers people can call should they feel the need, because often the topic does actually um, really raise issues for people and sometimes it catches people unawares, like they're perhaps not expecting they'll be affected as significantly as they might end up being. So we're very aware of that in our work. Yeah, and also just having it in a public space can be a bit like confronting sometimes if it's bringing up emotions. And Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Awesome. Yeah, Thank you awesome. so much, Pia. Uh, is there anything no else that you wanted to share? It'd be great to get more people coming who hadn't come before because I think it'll be great to get a diverse group that attends and comes and um, joins in the discussion. So that would be great. Feminism in the Pub is a free event and will be held on November 28th from 6.30 to 8.30pm at the Clyde Hotel, 385 Cardigan Street, Carlton. You can RSVP at www.unionwomen.org.au forward slash feminism underscore pub underscore 16 days. If you are anyone, if you or anyone you know needs support, please contact. If you or anyone you know needs support, please call one eight hundred respect. That's one eight hundred eight. That's one eight hundred seven three seven seven three two. Or you can chat online at one eight hundred respectorgau That's it for Stick Together this week. Thanks to you for listening, and thanks to Pia from Feminism in the Pub and Chris Spindler for their contributions. Stick Together is produced at 3CR Studios in Melbourne and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. The podcast is available at 3cr.org.au and you can contact the producers of the show at sticktogether3cr at gmail.com or by calling 03 9419 and leaving us a message. Remember, wherever you are, whatever you do, there's a union for you. My name's Rebecca Langley. Catch you next time. Thank you.